Welcome to the Addiction Connection podcast, connecting the hope of the gospel with the heart of addiction. I'm your host, Mark Shaw. Today's topic is on personal discipleship. I want to read Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 1, and just read a couple of verses here. Brothers, so he's talking to Christians, to the church. If anyone is caught in any transgression, that's anything that transgresses God's law, that is sin. So if someone's caught in any sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I I think about the importance of one-on-one personal discipleship, disciple-making. And I think about life in this way. I mean, life is a war. We are in battle. This is not uh, a life where we're just neutral and we're walking around. Um, and, and I think in the culture surrounding us now, people are starting to see that. They're starting to recognize how much of a war, how much of a battle we truly are in. And as I think about the battle, I think about the need to have friends and encouragers and people to help us as we take on this culture that is is at war. Now, we are to be peaceful as believers. We're supposed to be peaceful, prayerful, uh, and people who trust in God but that doesn't mean we need to just turn our heads and pretend that things are good when they're not or not speak up or not defend those who can't defend themselves, et cetera, et cetera. And what kind of sparked this whole thing was I decided to watch the Karate Kid movie. I don't know when that movie came out. I know I was a kid when it came out. And I've I've been watching it. I'm not finished with it. It's just now starting to get really good. I'm in the part where uh, Ralph Macchio, the the main character, Daniel, he has now met Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi has fixed his bike because Daniel's being bullied uh, by a group of boys. He's interested in a girl. Uh, He's moved, relocated, so he lost all his friends, all his support system. And now he is, in this movie, he's encouraged by Mr. Miyagi, who is this older man who is basically doing personal discipleship with Daniel. And it's it's just the part I'm at right now, it, it's just getting started. It, it's really getting good. Uh, I can't emphasize that enough. I'm eager to go back and watch it. But what what strikes me about it is, number one, the kindness Mr. Miyagi has for Daniel. And and I'm struck by this passage in Galatians 6.1, because it says, you who are spiritual, so when you're more mature spiritually, when you're born again, you should restore that person, anyone. It could be a Christian, it could be not a Christian. It's anyone caught in any transgression. So it's the addicted person because we deal with addiction as a sin issue of the heart, not as a disease, but as a 
choice issue, a sin issue of the heart. I know that's not popular. I've written a lot about this, talked a lot about this, so I'm not going to go into it. But because we see it as a sin issue, they are transgressing God's laws, and uh, and no one's you know no one's exempt from that. We're not putting addicted people or alcoholic people down. We're calling them idolaters, drunkards, as the Bible does. And the Bible lists all types of sins, and it says all have sinned and fallen short. So there's no stigma here. Everyone is a sinner. And so those who are spiritual, who are born again, growing in their faith, maturing, they should restore that transgressing person in a spirit of gentleness, not harshness, not angry, not pointing the finger, not putting them down, but coming at the problem, coming at the problem with the person in mind as an equal, as someone to restore to usefulness, and you restore them in a spirit of gentleness. I don't know when it happened or where it happened or why it happened. I've got some theories, but biblical counseling got branded at some point as a harsh methodology, a harsh way to respond to people, um, to just tell them they're sinners and they need to repent, and and that's that. Uh, I don't know any biblical counselors personally who do that. I mean, I've heard reports and rumors and this and that, and people are people. Everyone sins. Everyone um, makes a, a selfish choice at the end of the day. So I'm not doubting that biblical counselors can't be sinful or can't press their own uh, agenda in a situation. But God calls us as believers to restore other people in a spirit of gentleness. And so there's never a time where we should be harsh and angry and uh, sinfully so uh, against someone we're restoring. We should be gentle at all times. I know when I first came up in addiction counseling, uh, I was watching someone do a group counseling session, and um, and I remember how confrontational the person was. I mean, like in-your-face, confrontational. Uh, this This was a guy, and he would get in people's faces and call them uh, stupid. And he would uh, just really be uh, angry with them and call them stupid for the choices they made and and really put people down. And it, it was sad to see that and uh, to see that that's how he had been trained. And he says, that's how you have to break through the denial. Well, denial is just self-deception. It's, it's people that are deceiving themselves. And Human flesh is not going to break through denial. Only the Holy Spirit's going to do that. So the Holy Spirit doesn't need our help to call people names like stupid or tell them their choices were stupid and to get on to them and to be so hard on them that uh, we try to change their flesh with our flesh. I mean, the bottom line is none of us are powerful to change another person. None of us have that power. We rely on... God's power to to bring change. And so um, as I thought about that, I thought about the the love that I have for biblical counseling because uh, God calls us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're called to help the 
addicted person. The church is called to help the addicted person. The church is not exempt and says, well, can, can, the church can't say, well, that problem's too hard for me, uh, uh, too hard for our body, uh, too hard for my biblical counseling minister. We're going to refer that out. I mean, we're never called to do that. I, I love being at Grace Fellowship Church because we have a biblical counseling ministry designed to help our members, those who are not in the fellowship of Grace Fellowship Church. Are um, uh, we want to help them? But you know, certainly. But we um, are called to shepherd the flock of God that's among us to help people who are members of our body. So if someone in our body came to us with that problem, we would address it. We would help them. We would serve them and love them as well as we possibly, possibly could. Um, and and I think competently so as well. And, and here's why. When I think about 2 Corinthians 10, uh, verses really 1 through 6 is the passage. But in 2 Corinthians 10, it's interesting. Paul is someone who is, he's writing this letter to this church because there are people who are in opposition to him. And and one of the reasons they seem to be in opposition to him is because his methods to them seem defeatist. They're they're not victorious enough. And, And so Paul's suffering seems to answer accusations of weakness against him by him discussing his his suffering and and these accusations that uh, he is not a success in the gospel that he's weak and and a failed person and the, the complaint almost seems to be that he doesn't use worldly methods to bring people to Christ uh, and and so he, He's not seeking to be encouraged by worldly accolades and um, and letters of recommendation and those kinds of things. Instead, he's saying the proof is in the pudding. My converts are proof enough. And so there's no flash or flair to his apostolic game, so to speak, uh, he is just a simple man. He's not self-promoting. He recognizes he's a weak vessel. He's a jar of clay. And he says to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. There's that word gentleness again. See, we don't need our flesh to, to try to be strong we need the meekness and gentleness of Christ in biblical counseling and in addiction biblical counseling in particular. I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I'm away, I beg of you that when I'm present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. Here's what he's going to say an antithesis of that. For though we walk in the flesh, so he's saying, hey, we walk in the flesh. We're not waging war according to the flesh. Now that's a powerful statement. He's saying, I think, you don't need all the flash and flare and fleshly anger and passion and I'm going to shame somebody and any of that. He's not. He's saying, 
that's not needed. That's of the flesh. And he's not saying that in this verse, but I'm, I'm getting that from this. Uh, and here's why. Verse four, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So these strongholds are powerful. They're mighty. They, they don't come down easy, but he's saying uh, the flesh isn't going to do it. Only divine power, only the power of the Holy Spirit is going to do this. And we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So you have to take your thoughts captive. You can't let your thoughts run around freely and uh, do anything they want. That's We weren't saved for, we, we were saved, called to freedom by Christ who frees us from our sin, but not free to just run around and let every thought go. We have to take those thoughts captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. The idea here is making those thoughts that are disobedient punished is is really means making them righteous. There's got to be justice here. And so God is calling us to take those thoughts that are disobedient, that run around uh, freely, take those captive, and and make them right. In other words, renounce the lies that you believe and announce truth. You have to say, what's the lie I'm believing? Well, the lie might be, alcohol is my friend. Alcohol is going to fix this problem. Well, those are two lies right there. And the truth is, so, so you renounce them by stating them out loud or writing them down on paper. Somehow expressing them is renouncing them. And then you replace them with biblical truth. Alcohol is not my friend. Alcohol is not going to fix the problem. And and you can even go as further to say, what fixes my problem is obedience to Christ. Because then God is pleased, and that's all I'm required to do. I'm required to please God. I'm required to live in a way that pleases God. And alcohol is not my friend. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is my savior. Jesus is my Lord. He's more than a friend, but he is a friend. And Jesus is the one that I'm going to turn to for help. And Jesus is very, very gentle. He's low and gentle. He is, that's his heart. Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, is a book about the heart of Jesus that's expressed in just one place in Scripture about revealing Jesus' heart. Great book to read. I encourage you to read it. Because gentleness is important. It's the character of Christ. I was raised in, in the field of addiction counseling that you had to confront people. You had to be highly confrontational, mean. You had to shake them out of their denial and, and say this and do this and it was quite sad, honestly, to, to be a part of that. That's not my way. Um, of course, I can be harsh. Uh, we all can. But my way now as a believer is to be gentle and to try to be like Christ, who considered himself humble, low, and gentle. And and gentleness is, is an important part of, of what we do. 
And the reason I think it's so powerful to be gentle is what we're talking about here in 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 6. And I want to thank Steve Hamm and C.J. McMurray, who sent me some notes that they had on these passages that I've incorporated and used. I uh, really appreciate those brothers for, for helping me uh, in my prep and study time. But the, the deal is uh, we have to be aware that our war consists more of destroying strongholds, arguments, and lofty opinions that are against the knowledge of God than it does us destroying each other. So that's what gentleness doesn't do. It doesn't destroy another person. Harshness and anger, they destroy other people when, when it's sinful anger and, and sinfully expressed. So much of the time, it's a war within our own hearts. That's, that's us needing, uh, that's, that's our greatest need, is to tend to our own hearts and to deal with that. That I mean, James 4, 1 through 12, really teaches us about the, the importance of examining our own hearts. And so we're not called to wage war in the flesh. We walk in the flesh, yes. We wage war in the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. And God gets the glory, not us. It's not about us bringing change or us being the best counselor or us being the best whatever, um, we are called to be gentle, to speak the truth in love to people, and let the Spirit of God grip their hearts and change their hearts for His glory, in His timing, in His way. And I think that's where God gets glory, because we are not trying to do it ourselves. We're, we're just being faithful to His message. We didn't write the book. God wrote the book through holy men. He wrote the Bible. 66 books in the Bible. God wrote the whole canon of Scripture, and God's Spirit uses that word to change and grip the hearts So of the addicted and of anyone we counsel in biblical counseling. So the, the joy for us is we just get to be, get to be a part of that, and, um, and, and it's great. The second we start operating out of gentleness is the second we're in the flesh— and the second we're trying to get glory, and the second we're trying to bring change, and God's not pleased with that. He wants the glory. He deserves the glory. And we are called to just be faithful to him and his message. And so this is what struck me today as I was thinking about, you know, what's an important issue to podcast and what's something to teach on? And I just want to emphasize, if you're a part of the Addiction Connection I want you to be gentle. Now, I know sometimes I'm not gentle, and certainly there are things that rile me up in the addiction world, especially secular addiction, that just uh, kind of uh, bugs the stew out of me, so to speak, from a Southerner uh, point of view. And so uh, I can get irritated, I can get harsh about those things, but the truth of the matter is uh, I still need to be gentle. I, I need to be gentle with people. Now, I think where biblical counseling gets the accusation of being harsh and maybe addiction counseling too, I've already talked about addiction counseling with the confrontational aspect of it, and biblical counseling has a nuthateo, a, a confrontational kind of thing that you admonish people, you confront them because, because you love them, but you don't have to confront them 
in a non-gentle way. You can confront them with gentleness, with meekness, and with um, passion. And so biblical counseling, I think for years, has been um, a preacher's um, forum where you hear lots of passion preaching and and solid teaching from the word, but it comes across very strongly. That's not what you do in a counseling room. That's why I say I don't know counselors who are that way. Now, counselors can be strong, but we sit down and we listen and we love the person and we learn about the person. And then we label lies and address those lies as we uh, give them truth and then launch them into the likeness of Christ. So uh, we want to lead them with God's word and then launch them toward Christ's likeness. And so that that's the joy, but it's a it's not preaching. So you go to conferences and you hear people preaching, you hear them passion for an hour talking about a topic, but that's not counseling. Counseling, you sit down and there's an exchange. There's a gentleness, there's a softness that happens. So I think biblical counseling has been misaligned with uh, passionate, loud preaching, and people have misinterpreted that as anger and harshness and that kind of thing. And and it's, you know, biblical counselors are angry at the lies of this world, but we are not angry at people. We love people. We want to help people. We hate some of the deceptive things they believe, some of the denial or self-deceptions uh, that they tell themselves, the lies that need to be renounced and then replaced by announcing truth we hate those things we hate we hate that but we don't hate people we want to help people so i love that we're a gentle voice at the addiction connection Um, we are a strong voice i mean there are things that i think are harmful to people i think the disease concept is actually hurting more people than it's helping dr lance dotis who's a secular psychiatrist believes the same thing that the 12-step secular approach to addiction is actually hurting more people than it's helping. It's it's not neutral. It's hurting people. So that's why you'll hear me say things that I think are strong statements against the 12 steps, AA, secular treatment, and, and the way that that's approached. I'm not condemning the people that work in that. I used to work in that. I, I, I love those people. But their methods, their methods are absolutely directing people the wrong direction. And I may get cancel cultured as a result of this. I, I may get um, you know, all kinds of bad press, but I, I don't care. I'm, I have an audience of one to please. I, I, I'm pleasing God. And I'm, I'm not saying anything that is um, not based on biblical truth in, in my estimation. Maybe you'd say, well, that's your opinion. Well, that's fine. Um, But I'm excited about the future because I'm excited about the gentle approach of biblical counseling to help the addicted. And I think you should be too. And I think it needs to be done in the context of a local church. It needs to be done in gentleness. It needs to be done in community of a local church, not just show up at church. I think when people hear you say church, they think, I just show up and I hear a message and I take communion and I go home. Well, no, church is way more than that. For us at Grace Fellowship Church, there's the big gathering of people. 
then there's a smaller gathering of community groups, then there's even care groups, which are issue-specific groups designed for a short season of time where you help people. We're, we're doing uh, a care group now, addiction care group, using the Next Steps Be Transformed curriculum that TAC has um, produced this year. It's, it's my curriculum. And so those videos, that, that training is available. Um, it's not really a training. It's a, it's a small group, care group study for addiction that any church can use. Churches are using it around the country. I know of one in Montana right now using it, and different programs are using it. So I'm thrilled about that. Um, but And a lot of work goes into that. I mean, I'm telling you, it, it just about kills you, <laughs> all the work you have to do. But the exciting thing is there's hope. But it's hope in a different message than what the world teaches. And that's what we're attacking. We're attacking it because it's harmful. We're not attacking the people. We're attacking the message and, and the methods that people are using. Because we think there is a better way, and we know there's a better way through Jesus Christ. And it's in Him we trust. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. Take care and God bless. Bye.